Hey friends, you're listening to the Student Ministry Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, lead you closer to Jesus, and help you follow Him more faithfully. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy. Man, hey you guys, could take a seat right where you are. Let's do uh, one clap on three for the worship team. One, two, three, good job. And then when we clap for the worship team, we're not actually clapping for them. We actually like to call it clap for the king. Uh, so if you hear someone celebrate after a song of worship, we're not clapping because the worship team did an awesome job, which they do. We clap because Jesus is alive and he's changing lives and we're celebrating who he is. And uh, how many of you guys are just excited to be back? Woo! Uh, hey, we got Wednesdays going. We got Shaver and Fall Camp coming up. If, seriously, if money is an issue, don't let money be an issue. Talk to a leader. Talk to me. We'll get you. We have, we have little old ladies in our church who literally give to a scholarship fund so that if money is an issue for your family, it doesn't have to be an issue for your family. So please uh, let us know if that's a problem for you. Let us know tonight so we can get you signed up for this trip. But we are starting the new year. We are starting this new series. And as I was preparing for this night, I was praying that God would kind of show me what he wants us to dive into as we start the year. And as a whole church, we're moving in this direction of we are taking the people that God has given us and we are going to try to give them the tools and the knowledge and the theology to be able to start taking more intentional steps with Jesus. And so we're jumping in this series called Desperate. And it's not desperate in like the, like, oh, he's desperate, she's desperate, like that's weird kind of way. It's the desperate as in we want to so badly know who Jesus is and walk with him that we're desperate for it. And Maybe you're not there. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you don't care about Jesus. You just got invited by a friend or your mom dropped you off and said you had to go to youth group. I recognize that there's people in this room who are like that because that was me. I had to go to youth group. I didn't have a choice to go to youth group. But no matter where you are, what I believe is that God has good things for you and your life if you will let him give those to you. You know, the people who have been walking with Jesus for a little bit, a little bit of time, or maybe you haven't, we, we, sometimes we see things going right. We, we look at other people and we think, they've got stuff going right in their lives. There, you know people who follow Jesus who have learned to forgive the deepest and hardest things, right? They've walked through the valley, stuff has happened to them, but yet you've seen them forgive their parent or their sibling or their whatever, their betrayer, their abuser for the hurt that was caused them, and you think, what strength do they have? That is incredible. Or you see people who have like conquered addictions, right? They've been like, they've just been so stuck in patterns of life and then all of a sudden they find the strength to conquer it and you think, man, I want to I conquer the stuff that I'm slaved to right now. Or people who have really healthy relationships, they're thriving. They, they not only love each other, they like each other. You see, maybe you came from a broken home like I did where parents are divorced and you don't have a model of that. But you see your friend's family and their parents, like, they really, really love each other. And you think, I want that one day. Or maybe you have real, deep, judgment-free friendships. Or maybe you don't, but you want that. How do we get that? How do we find that in our lives? So what we do is a lot of times we come to church and we hear that these things are possible if we just trust Jesus a little bit more and grow our relationship with him. But then the question is always, well, how do I grow? How do I get to know Jesus better? What does growing look like? I want to show you a video, and you probably saw it last week if you were here, but it tells you a little bit about who we are as a student ministry, um, but I'm going to explain to you why I'm showing you this for the start of this series 
um, after. So check this out up here. That's pretty rad. That's pretty rad. Uh, it, oh, man. I, it, there's so many awesome things that are about to happen this year. You've been a part of them before. If you haven't, we hope to see you around this year. But my question that I'm going to ask you is, everything in that video looks legit, but the question I asked right before the video was, how do I grow? How do I become more like Jesus? What does growing look like? Is that video the way what it means to grow, like just go to church and do those things and I'll grow? And the answer, the answer is no. So then the question is, well, then why did I show this video? I showed this video because, one, it's awesome, but two, throughout the video, you see epic things. You see people worshiping with their whole heart. You see friends with their arm around each other doing community and doing real life together. You see people having fun. You see people connecting. You see health and life in this video. 
You see people following Jesus faithfully on mission, whether it's a leader serving students or students serving in Mexico. You see these things, and when we picture faith, I think many of us picture those things. We think walking with Jesus will lead us to healthy relationships, good friendships, being able to serve and do world-changing things. Like We want all of these things, and this video is a summary of all those things. In fact, you could probably put it better as a, it's a highlight reel. This video shows people having an epic time on a tube at Shaver Lake. You saw those guys get thrashed, right? At the, they kind of fly off the side. It, who, anyone? Was that you? Were you, were you here? Is it Eli? <laughs> you okay, bro? <laughs> Lights on, but no one's home. All right. But you know what the video does not show? It's all the highlights of what part of walking with Jesus could be. But what it doesn't show is all that it took to get there. You see Eli getting flung off a tube. But it doesn't show every single step along the way to get there. Because to get to that video being shown to you today, Eli had to get on the trip. To talk, he had to talk to his parents. He had to sign up. The office team had to go in and build the page for the registration and get it on the website and then handle Eli's registration. We had to book the houses, book the vans, book the boats to be able to do all these things. We had to recruit leaders to be able to go and lead. And then we had to train the leaders in leader meetings. And then you guys did the check-in. And then you got this long drive. You woke up that morning, got ready for the lake. You head over to the dock. You get in the boat. You go tubing. And then Jonah has to be there to be able to film it. So to get Jonah, we had to hire him and then train him. And then he had to clear his schedule and then come to Shaver and then film it and then edit it and put it in this video so you could see it here today. All of that happened so that you could see that one clip of Eli getting launched. That one moment, that highlight reel, looks epic, but it was a product of hundreds and hundreds of steps along the way to make it happen. But that's the highlight, right? That is all these pinnacle moments of the year here in student ministry. So often when we think about faith and what we want to have in our life and faith to be growing and thriving and healthy and to to like to be pursuing Jesus, we want these things that are on the highlight reel, the community, the friendship, the hands raised in worship. I'm just so sold out and desperate for Jesus. I don't care what anyone thinks. So many of us want that. But you know what is required along the way? Hundreds of little steps that people don't see that aren't glamorous, that aren't overly emotional or these mountaintop experiences They are just step-by-step, day-by-day decisions to follow Jesus. And what we call these are next right steps. Next right steps. Friends, if we want to be desperate for God, to long for him, to see health in our lives and relationships and our families, it doesn't start with the highlight reel, but it starts with what's the next right step in front of you. That's what this series is all about. It's about equipping us to take a next right step with Jesus so that We get to know him better, become more like him, love him better, and then see the fruit of it down the road. Healthy relationships, awesome family life, um, peace in the middle of the storm. And friends, whether you are Christian or not, whether you are completely opposed to Jesus or been following him for a very long time, we all have a next right step. And what this series is about is discovering what your next right step might be, to walk faithfully with Jesus. Now, in the time I have left, I want to tell you a story about one of the most famous dudes in the Bible. This guy's name is Abraham, and he was the guy who had the highlight reel of highlight reels in the Bible, because this guy was a guy who actually spoke with God. He saw miracles happen. 
He is the father of an entire nation called Israel. He is known for the faith that he had, and he lived thousands of years ago, but today we still talk about him. And I would say, if you're a Christian in the room, I would bet that you, to some degree, would love to be able to say that I, can, I speak with God. I see miracles happen. I want to be known for my faith. I want, to, I want to have a legacy that outlives me. This guy, Abraham, has a highlight reel that is epic. I want to answer that. So what were the next right steps all throughout his life that went into this highlight reel of him being known for what he's known for? And what can we learn? So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse, sorry, 22, starting at verse 1. It's up here uh, if you need it. But we have Bibles. If you need a Bible, take one from the back. That's our gift to you. If you're using a Bible app, we use New Living Translation around here. And if you want a special Bible, we have study Bibles, journal Bibles, travel Bibles. You can pick those up at the snack bar any Wednesday night for purchase. Now, verse 1 of chapter 22, it says, Sometime later, we're not getting into the whole backstory. But it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Hey, guys, shut up. Yes, he replied, here I am. I want to stop right here. And the first thing is first. Verse 1 makes it clear. If you have faith, from time to time, God will test it. And the question is, why? Why does God want to test people's faith? I thought he was like a good, chill God. Well, when your faith is tested, it gives you a chance to live out what you say you believe. If you want to have patience, if you, like, God, give me patience. You know what God doesn't do? He doesn't just make you patient. He gives you chances to be patient, right? If you want to have trust in God, guess what God does? He doesn't just make you trust him. He gives you opportunities to trust him. If you want to have endurance, guess what God does? He gives you opportunities to build endurance. Now, endurance was never my thing in sports growing up. I was a baseball guy, and I played baseball because at any given moment, after you hit the ball, you got to run just 90 feet, right? It's great. It's like it's a sport, but not really. And my baseball players, listen, I love baseball. It's my favorite sport, but you run 90 feet at a time, bro. I mean, come on. Um, I was also the marching band guy, so don't judge me. Whatever. So I'm just kidding. I love baseball. It's a great sport. Um, go Mariners. So anyway... Um, I, was, I was the guy, I ran 90 feet because that's all I need, wanted to run. But then one year, I didn't make the baseball team. So then my dad said I had to play a sport. Well, tryouts already happened for literally every sport. And the only team that was still accepting people was the track team. And guess what? The only position on the track team that was still available was the distance team. And the only distance race that still had opportunities for me to run, which my dad said I had to do, was the two-mile race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, I was not, I, I did not want to go run track. I hated it. So, what I did was when we did practice, I would run with the whole distance group. And I had a couple friends in the group who would, like, you know, run with me. And they would all get ahead of me. And I'd eventually be like, all right, bye, guys. And I'd just, just like, sit down and wait for them to run. And when they came back, I would run back with them, like, the last 300 feet before the school. And I'd come back, and I'd be like, oh. Oh, man, that was such a hard run. And the coach would think that I ran, but I didn't, right? So I never got a chance to build endurance. So when it came to the, I had a chance, I just didn't do it. So when it came to the races, guess what happened? Well, you race like you practice, right? So, I, you know, the starting gun goes off, and everyone's running. And I'm like, you know, like, like after like 30 feet, and I still got two more miles to go, which is eight laps around the track. That's a lot of laps. 
So on lap like two, I'm already getting lapped by everyone else on the track. I'm, this, I'm not making this up. And my dad, bless his heart, he would show up to encourage me, and he would show up with this little stopwatch in his hand and be like, time in my splits. And he, he's like, you're doing so good. I'm like, no, I'm not. Right? And so what happened is every race, I was the guy where when the race, like, everyone would finish like five minutes ahead of me, but I got clapped for every single time because when I finished, I was the guy that got clapped for when the race was over. Everyone was like, yay, we can move on to the next thing. I had no endurance whatsoever for any of this, and I had these opportunities to build endurance. I just thought I would somehow magically get it, but no, I lost every single time, except for one time. I beat one guy, and I was so excited. <laughs> but when I got off the track, he, he ran over and he threw up. And I, I, I felt bad for him. I was like, bro, you all right? And he, he looks at me and he goes, yeah, I just had like four cheesy gordita crunches. Right? And so I beat the guy who just downed four Taco Bell things right, right before the race. So I, did I really win? No. Not at all. So <laughs> I was so proud of myself, and then I wasn't, and I felt bad. Man, that guy was oh, so gross. Anyway, you think Taco Bell is bad going down. We just see the other way. All right, anyway, so endurance, whatever. What I'm getting at here was that Abraham was a guy who wanted to trust God, so God was about to give him not just the trust, but a crazy opportunity to build trust. So what does God say? He says to Abraham, verse 2, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and there's a whole backstory on Isaac. Go further back in Genesis if you want to read it. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and, get this, sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. And God's saying, Abraham, go kill your kid. Which, if you're not familiar with the God of the Bible, you're like, that's dark. Well, I'm going to explain. Back then, people, just like today, people sinned, but Jesus had not yet come. This is Old Testament, old uh, before Jesus came. So the Bible talks about the penalty of sin being death. So if people wanted their debt of sin, their penalty of sin to be paid, something had to die, and usually it was an animal. So God's people would find a lamb or a calf or a ram, and they would kill it, and the death of the animal was a sacrifice to pay for the sins of the people. And Abraham, because he was one of God's people, he was familiar with this system. But this time, God asked Abraham to not only offer a ram, but his own son. Now, many of you saw my two-year-old running around here a little while ago. The kid's a psycho. If you haven't seen him, this is what he looks like. Um, he's the one on the right, not the left. You, his name is Jet. He is the cutest darn kid I've ever seen, but he's also an absolute terrorist, right? It's equal, equal parts. He's all cute when he's here because he's, he's getting cookies and you're playing with him and stuff. When, you know, sometimes he's not so much at home. But I love that guy. I love that guy with my whole heart. And I would do anything for him. And if God said, Josh, I need you to do this with Jet, you don't want to say to God, No. No, I'm hard pass. It's not going to happen, right? You say, you're going to walk away? You're going to walk away? If it's your job at the church and doing what you do, or it's Jet, where are you going to pick? I'm picking Jet every time. No, God, I won't do it. 
But what does Abraham do? Close your eyes. I want you to imagine this scene because this is a real scene that happens. I want you to try to picture it because the Bible is not just a story um, that is like, oh, let's make this up. These are actual real-life events. So get this, verse 3. Close your eyes. Try to picture this. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire and a, for a burnt offering and set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we'll come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said. But where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. And most of you in this room aren't parents, but I want you to imagine for a moment a dad having, knowing that he was going to have to kill his own son in order to follow God. And then lies to his son's face saying that God will provide someone for this. Well, then the plot thickens. When they arrived at the place where God had told him not God told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham. Abraham. Now, quick side note, anytime uh, you'll see references in scripture to an angel of the Lord and the angel of the Lord. Anytime you see it say an angel of the Lord, it's an angel. Michael, Gabriel, someone else, Frank, Steve, Joe, right? Anytime you see the angel of the Lord, that is Jesus. So Jesus, the angel of the Lord, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear, or another word, say, way, way to put this, is that you truly trust God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord. It will be provided. And some of us are thinking, that's insane. Like, that's in the Bible? Like, this is kind of dark. I want you to know the Bible has so many insane stories like this, including tonky donkeys and, like, random hands that draw pictures on walls. But remember, Abraham was the guy who had the ultimate highlight reel of faith. And this is one of the steps along the way that he went through, just one of his next right steps. And the reason I chose this story as we end um, our time here today is that there is a huge truth here. A huge truth, and I don't want you to miss this for taking our next right steps with Jesus. If you want to grow in Christ, if you want to journey towards healthier relationships and better friendships and more peace and less anxiety and less darkness, if you want Jesus best for your life and actually inherit the good thing he has for you, what is the next right step? Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. This says trust in the Lord, not yourself. 
Friends, I need to tell you that what you and I think is right often isn't. The Bible talks about the human heart being deceitful and wicked. And you know who deceives, any, who deceives you more than anyone else? You do. Yourself. We try to justify the things that we want to do. We know it's a bad idea, but we try to make it seem like a good idea. We try to make ourselves look good, have a good reputation. But the Bible is clear that our heart, our emotions, our thoughts are not reliable. You cannot count. I cannot count on my thoughts, emotions, and feelings to be reliable or accurate. Are they sometimes? Yeah, duh, because God gave me a brain for a reason. But you and I cannot trust everything that we think or say or feel as a good thing. So where do we find what is good, what is truly good? And that is in the word of God. And sometimes the word of God will ask us to do things that are in opposition to what we think or how we feel or what culture says. And in those moments, we have a choice to make. Are we going to do things our way or are we going to do things God's way? And it's difficult sometimes to do things God's way because it does not feel natural. What feels natural is our way, but our way is often wrong. So to trust God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to lean not on our own understanding means that we strive to do what God says even when it goes against everything in us. Do you think Abraham was like, sweet God, let me go kill my kid? No. It went against everything that a natural dad feels. But Abraham trusted that even though this seemed ridiculous, God was still good. And he chose God's way over his own. And how do we know God is good is because he proved it by sending Jesus on the cross. God let Abraham spare his own son, Isaac. But God did not spare his son, Jesus. Where Isaac was supposed to be the sacrifice and then wasn't, Jesus stepped in to be the actual sacrifice for sin for all people for all time. And if God would not spare his only son for you, what wouldn't he give you? There's no one, like if I gave up, if, 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 if a car was coming to hit you and Jet, and I could push one of you out of the way, and I pushed you out of the way, and my son died, what further proof do you need that I love you? Right? That I would, I would have the choice and I would choose you? Friends, that's what God did for us. Sin and its consequence and its punishment was coming our way. And either we could take the brunt of it or Jesus could. And God says, Jesus, go to the cross, bro. And he does. And he dies. And we can trust that God is good. Friends, you're going to have moments when God's way is going to be difficult. Humility in apologizing for what you said or did. Confessing a lie or a sin. Revealing an addiction. Turning away from a friend group that you know is pulling you down. God's word talks about a lot of these things. But you are in a place where you now know that if God's asking you to do it, he's backed it up. He's proven that it's going to be good for you, even if it's painful, even if it's hard in the moment. And what happens when we do God's, things God's way and choose his way over our own, I won't read the whole scripture because we're out of time, but I want to let you know that when we choose God's way over our own, you can read the rest of this for yourself, what God does is he blesses Abraham. 
God recognizes that Abraham was willing to do whatever God said on his behalf. Remember, it was a test. He wasn't actually going to have Abraham kill Isaac. But when Abraham proved that he would choose God's way over his own, God blesses Abraham more than we could ever ask or imagine. Friends, sometimes the blessing that you are asking from God is on the other side of where you're withholding trust in him. Let me just say that again because I want to make sure we got this. Some of us are asking God to bless our lives and to do these things, but we are holding on to our way and our truth and our emotions and our thoughts. And God says, give those to me. Do things my way. It's going to hurt. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. It might not make sense. But on the other side of trusting me is the blessing that you're looking for. Friends, this week the challenge is this. Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. Take the next right step by whatever we're holding on to, letting it go, and doing it God's way instead. It won't be easy and it might be way harder, but in time you will be blessed for doing so. And when you look back on that moment when you chose God's way instead of your own to take the next right step into what God has for you instead of what you think is right, you'll have a highlight reel Another highlight, sorry, for the highlight reel of your faith. Where do we find God's will for us? It's in his word. Some of us, the next right step is to dust off the Bible or pick one up if you don't have one and just get in it. You can't say that God isn't speaking to you if your Bible is closed. Some of you want to hear from God. He's already spoken. Open up his word. Trust it. Take the next right step, even if it goes against everything you think feel. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this day. I pray your words, not mine, your will, not mine, your heart, not mine. Bless this, this night, bless uh, your word to our hearts and allow us, God, to take a next right step of trusting you. Some of us know exactly what we need to do. We've been putting it off. You, your word has called us to do it. And we've just been saying, no, God, I'm not going to do it. And we're holding on to our will and our way. God, break us of that. Some of us have no idea what I'm talking about. God, will you reveal to them that their next right step is to trust you for the very first time? God, we love you. We thank you for this night. Help us to become more desperate for you by taking the next right step and trusting you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.